All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Coach's Corner Podcast, uh, which obviously is part of uh, In the Flat Family, a podcast. I'm your host again, Tony Kill, joined as always by Jeff Kamarby, um, our, our favorite coach. Um, so there's many games we could have chosen this week for uh, for the breakdown. There's um, You could have chosen Tennessee, Alabama, uh, TCU, Oklahoma State. Uh, but we decided to go with another top 10 matchup because we haven't talked about these teams on this podcast yet, and that is Penn State traveling to Michigan to take on the Wolverines. Um, so this series um, is been a, been a pretty close one. Michigan is winning the overall series 15 to 10, which honestly, when I saw this, I was surprised. I, you know, I assume these teams probably played 100 times because most Midwest <laughs> schools that's been around a while play every single year. But these teams, you know, only play 25 times. Michigan has the upper hand 15 to 10. Uh, last year, Michigan won the game uh, 21 to 17 in, in a really nice, thrilling battle. It was a defensive struggle for most of the game. Uh, for this game, uh, Penn State will be taking on the role of underdog for the first time this season as Michigan is favored by a touchdown. Uh, so coming into this game, Michigan is 6-0 and uh, with possibly, and I, I think I read it, the easiest schedule in um, for a Power 5 team in the country, having beat Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana. Uh, Penn State is also undefeated. Um, they're coming off a bye last week. I had a little bit of a tougher road. They had a tough game to start against Purdue, uh, but then they beat Ohio. Um, not a very good Auburn team. Um, they struggled a little bit against Central Michigan and Northwestern, but they did come away with victories there. And so they're coming in 5-0 and this week as well. I really believe this will be the, the biggest test for both teams up to this point. Uh, it's being played at the big house there in Michigan, so you should have over 100,000 rabid fans, which will make this obviously a factor for um, for Penn State as well. Uh, so let's jump into here. Let's break these teams down. Uh, let's start with that Michigan offense. Um, Michigan uh, this year is led by um, the new quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, who played a lot last year as kind of that um, – you know, that role to come in, run the ball a little bit, uh, give a different dynamic to the offense. This year he's a starter. He won the quarterback competition against Cade McNamara. Um, he's also joined by outstanding running back in Blake Quorum, who last year I would say is more was a secondary kind of back. This year the, the offense is all his. He's definitely more durable and is one of the top running backs in the country. So to Jeff, you know, looking over this team this year, you know, how has this offense changed with JJ McCarthy as the feature quarterback, and uh, with Blake and with Blake Quorum in there as that is the main durable back that you that we see this year? Sure, yeah, Tony, love digging in this Michigan offense. It's changing, is how I would say it. So you know, it's slowly adapting, and they're going to need still some more work to do. But you know, the best thing about it is it's it's really when you have one running back in there. We talked about these personnel formations. If it's 11 personnel with one running back and one tight end, it's really two running backs because of J.J. back there. Okay, So that's how defenses have to treat it. So that's part of the involvement this Michigan offense is doing. Uh, and when you have two ball carriers back there just with one running back, it, it opens up your pass game Okay, because it creates an extra gap when you want to run the football. The defense has to make a choice at that point, right? how they want to play you opposed to just a pocket passer back there where you don't really have a threat to do either. So this is kind of what you see with this one-two punch with those two guys carrying the football. Uh, Blake Corum, he is a special running back. And, and, you know, and I say that not just because the highlight runs and stuff he does, Tony, but, you know, he runs both schemes really well. When I say that, like the zone scheme and the gap scheme, when you have a lot of running backs that are really good, a lot of them are just really good maybe at one scheme, like zone runs or those pool runs and the gap. You see Blake Corum do both really well. Uh, he understands and like these zone runs inside and outside if it's about patience and the cutback like he has a really good feel for that 
And then when you see when Michigan goes to their gap schemes where they're down blocking people and they're pulling guards and, and tackles around, he has a great job of just feeling for timing and then following his pullers and kind of getting his pads behind him. So it's really, really fun to watch him. When you look at this Michigan offense, they're much better playing with open formations. Uh, you know, when they play open in that more of a spread type look, it's really helping JJ because you're going to have less defenders in the box for your offensive line. Um, I want to see them use this more. You see still using these close formations where there's multiple tight ends in. Defenses are playing Michigan in a box still. And what you want to do is you want to see them adapt. Maybe go to this no huddle, um, which they're using, but you want to see them try to use the tempo and try to push the pace a little bit to kind of get them in rhythm because they seem static at times on offense, but they have the weapons to really be be more explosive when you look at the quarterback position and, and Blake Corum back there. So it's evolving. It's not there yet. And you want to see them kind of start opening things up down the road. Yeah, interesting, interesting point you make up with, um, you know, they're, they're still kind of stays closed off. They're really, they're playing a certain way. I would say they're very, they're playing hardball's way of football at this point where, you know, going back to, to Stanford, even San Francisco um, 49ers where they're, they they like to do a certain thing. They like to pound the ball, um, you know, play really conservative. I, I even say it's sort of like Nick Saban used to, to play and run offenses. I just don't. I haven't seen um, Jim Harbaugh really change that approach up to this point. You did see it a little bit, um, you know, in the second half. I think it was a very tight game last week against Indiana for Michigan, uh, 10-10 going to the second half, 17-10 after the third quarter. Um, but they finally, I felt like they gave JJ McCarthy a, um, a little more of an opening to be a little more creative and, and do more with the ball um, and really play a more uh, progressive style of offense. Uh, do you see that continuing this week? Um, or do you see Harbaugh staying kind of stubborn and, and, you know, just run the ball as much as we can against his Penn State defense? Yeah, I see them staying closed in these early downs, first and second down, where they're more run-oriented, kind of tightening the box until they need to. Kind of like, hey, JJ, take over. Let's spread yeah. you out and open things up. And I just think that's part of, like, coaching. We're like, Michigan needs to get hit in the mouth a little bit offensively to, for them to realize, like, oh, okay, we can't adjust. We have this. But, um, you know, you saw last week against Indiana in the second half you're mentioning, they had that 99-yard touchdown drive, you know, in the second half. So what they were using to adjust is they're starting to get quick screens out there. They have playmakers at receiver. They have guys that can play in space. So they're really just getting the ball out to them early. You know, there's a punt return that got them to midfield. So that gave them a shorter field to drive, and they capitalized. So but the number one thing I saw last week overall was what they did with the offensive line was they stuck to a core run. They literally just ran tight zone, okay, the majority of the time in the second half. So when you do that, you give your offensive line a smaller menu so they get more reps at it, right? They get a chance to get better and better. And then there was a weakness in the Indiana front, and they just kind of went with it to attack and attack. Once they did that last week, Tony, in the second half, everything started to open up a little bit, okay? So now you saw J.J. pulling the ball on those tight zone reads, and he started running a little bit more than you saw in the first half. And then they started running their split zone, where they're now taking that tight end off the ball and bringing him all the way back across the formation. So everything started to get rhythm and get a little better once they started giving a smaller menu to the offensive line, and they were running tight zone extremely well. All right. Uh, you know – I think a lot of a lot of t uh, people out there know JJ McCarthy and they Blake Corum. They're showed on ESPN highlights. 
Um, you know, what other players out there should um, our fans keep an eye on, you know, as they're watching this game? Somebody that can possibly make an impact that maybe you haven't heard much about uh, that you've kind of noticed in the offense that is maybe a spark or someone that could surprise um, Penn State on Saturday. Yeah, I'm an offensive line guy. I'm going right to the center, Tony, okay? Number 55, and I've got this name down, okay? I've been practicing it, pronunciation. <laughs> Olu Oluwatimi, okay? Olu right. Oluwatimi, number 55. He's the center for the Michigan Wolverines, okay? What he does, listeners, when you're watching the game on Saturday, instead of just watching receivers and quarterback play, watch number 55, the center, okay? He makes the – we're just talking about tight zone – he has to make these combination calls with the guards on either side of him for the zone run scheme. So he does that really well. Um, and then he lines them up in their pass protection. So while they're transferring quarterbacks out this year, he's kind of the mainstay right there of getting them in the right protection when they need to drop back. Uh, he's good in both their zone and gap schemes because he's athletic, but he's the anchor of a strong offensive line. And, you know, they're going to go as, as he goes for sure, you know, when they want to make these deep runs down the season. So Olu Oluwatimi, number 55, okay, the center. That's my impact player. All right. Um, well, the name sounds right to me. So good job there. Um, <laughs> um, who, you know, somebody I'm keeping an eye on for this game. I, you know, if you look at his stats, you would say, oh, he hasn't really made much of an impact on the offense. And that's, um, AJ Henning, he's the um, wide receiver, 5'10, 185 yards, uh, pounds out of uh, Illinois. You know, really loved him out of high school, really explosive player. He's the return guy, um, in many cases. Um, you know, if you look at the stats again, six receptions for 60 yards this year. Um, but he is an explosive player. I would love to see them get him more involved in this game, and I could see him being kind of that surprise weapon or option that they can kind of add in and make this more explosive offense. Um, whenever he touches the ball, good things tend to happen. I want to keep everybody, keep your eye on him. Um, if you happen to see him, you know, number three, come out there in the game. Um, he's someone that can really take, um, take a ball in this, you know, make some explosive plays happen. So everybody keep an eye on him um, for Saturday. All right. Um, let's talk about the Penn state defense. Um, they are, um, you know, a little bit of a new uh, defense this year. They're led by first-year uh, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. If the name sounds familiar, guys, he's the former um, head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. Um, you know, and they have been solid on defense all year. I think they ranked fifth in the Big Ten in scoring defense at 14.8 a game. They're second in rushing defense at 79.8 a game. Um, you know, Jeff, so where have you seen the and maybe make changes this year? How is he, um, you know? maybe made improvements or maybe made changes to what they've done in the years past. Yeah. I've been a, a big Manny Diaz fan for a long time. You know, he was a Texas Longhorns DC back in 2011, you know, long time defensive background, young and upcoming coach for a long time. Uh, you mentioned Miami as a head coach. He was 21 and 15 there. Uh, you know, wanted to work out for him. You know, his dad was the former mayor of Miami. So, you know, you kind of had that yeah. connection. I wanted that to work out for him, but, Life goes on. He's at Penn State. He's doing a great job. I mean, you watch them on video. I mean, they, they are coached well. We're, you know, they're, they're learning as, you know, you're, you're getting ready for your players in a new system. But they're a four-two-five defense, and that's their base. And that's what they're going to foundation is a four-down lineman, two linebackers, and five DBs. It looks a little bit deep, different when you watch them um, to, the, to the casual fan because their defensive ends stand up. Okay, that's still just a four-two-five. Just count those numbers. They're going to play cover three. Okay, that's their foundation. 
where those corners are going to get a third of the field. And then the safety in the middle is going to take that third and they're going to split the field. Um, but then they get into these kind of down and distance situations. You know, they'll play cover four and just quarters coverage to play back and more of a prevent. And then you'll see them, depending on the down and distance, they'll play some cover one for pressure. So like they're doing a lot of Manny Diaz type things, which is, you know, multiplicity on defense out of that four, two, five. Uh, their secondary is, is impressive to me, Tony. They've got good ball skills. Uh, you know, you look at their D line, they're really strong up front. Um, you know, inside and outside. Um, but, you know, that, that's what I see as a strength for them. And then their, their weaknesses, you know, you look at their, their linebackers and where they're at. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later of maybe how Manny Diaz kind of masks that and helps coach it. But if you're Michigan and you're, we're talking about this defense uh, of Penn State, you know, Michigan's going to want to attack the second level of this defense, okay, the middle of the field, these linebackers and that seam of Penn State. Uh, and one thing, if you're Michigan and you're watching the video this week, okay, Penn State does not move their defensive tackles, their two defensive tackles inside. When offenses shift in motion, they keep their defensive tackles right where they're going to be. So if you are Michigan and you want to get an advantage in your run game, use your shift and use your motion. You'll know exactly where those guys are going to be, and you can kind of create an advantage to design a run this week, okay, and get there. So that's one thing that stood out for me on video of uh, Michigan offense can take advantage of. Uh, but overall, Manny Diaz is doing a really good job of coaching these guys. Yeah, you mentioned the D-line. I, I've been really impressed with the D-line this year. They, they've been playing pretty solid. Um, they're led by uh, P.J. Mustafer, um, which I think is a 50-year player. Um, then they also have the transfer uh, D-man Chop Robinson from Maryland. And they have a freshman in there, uh, Danny Dennis Stunner, who I loved in, in um, high school, um, who is playing well, three sacks so far this year. Um, how dominant can they be against this offensive line in Michigan? Um, do they – you know, when you kind of compare the two, obviously Michigan always has one of the top offensive line, lines in the country. Does this defense have a has a chance to this defense line have a chance to really kind of make an impact in this game? In your opinion? It it does. They've really closed the gap from maybe where they were a year ago to right now. Like you're just saying, Michigan's offensive line, right? They're always strong. They're always coached well. Uh, but you see, this Penn State defensive line is they're deep. Okay, that's what stands out to me. They've got these two pass rushers on the outside that can get after it. And then on the interior, they got two run stuffers that are really disruptive. Okay, so when they play pass heavy teams, um, they can really tee off. Okay, they've got a good skill set. They're they're really they're meant to kind of tee off against those offensive, uh, you know, throwing teams. Um, they also use what I call as a speed package. Okay, so they can substitute. We talk about how deep they are. They can substitute four pass rushers when they get in long yardage. They'll bring four brand new defensive linemen in, and they're really not defensive linemen. They're really athletes that could just rush and get after the quarterback, and that's kind of a staple with Manny Diaz. Uh, so that speed package is something to deal with for offensive lines. It's difficult, but how Michigan can combat that this week is we were talking before about going up tempo, doing something different. When you use tempo on offense, a defense cannot substitute. So if you're Michigan and you want to keep playing pace, you're no huddle, play with some tempo. So now Penn State can't go ahead and sub these speed rushers in um, and help your offensive line out. So that, that's what I'm seeing right now with them. But they're good speed at each of these defensive line positions. Um, what they do well, Tony, is they play that zone scheme really well, okay, because of how they move inside and out. Um, but I don't think they play the gap scheme as well. Those down blocks and pullers, uh, that's something that Penn State, I think, has difficult with. So if you're Michigan, you want to attack them more, make them be physical, run at them, not away from them. No, for sure. Um, 
you mentioned the linebacker core a little bit earlier. Um, this this linebacker core seems pretty young. I mean, it has some talent there, but it's very young. Um, and you know, obviously, he's prone to making some mistakes. So, as you mentioned, you know, how how does Manny Diaz kind of mask that problem? How does he put them in the right uh, position to succeed? Uh, what what maybe formations does he change or make to make sure that they could be successful? Yeah, I see the video, and it's good coaching, okay, because you see kind of the type of linebackers they have. Manny Diaz, the defensive corner, he plays to their strengths, okay? So these aren't traditional linebackers listeners where they're going to sit there five yards off the ball, and they're going to read their keys of, like, down blocks and pullers or a drop-back pass. to their. These are athletes that they want to attack right away. So these are these modern linebackers for Penn State that they're asked to pressure and really attack offensive lines and disrupt. So they're taking a lot of thinking away and they're letting them go play fast. So it's good coaching on Manny Diaz's part. Uh, now the weakness is that they play really close to the ball because of this pressure and attacking we talked about. So they don't have time to drop back and they can kind of get beat at that line of scrimmage. So to combat that, if you're Michigan, this is how you want to attack these linebackers is you really want to use three kind of different passing route and concepts is use your slants, seam routes, and then use these crossers dragging receivers across the field. This is how Central Michigan was beating up Penn State, giving them trouble, is attacking that second level, that middle of the defense with slants, seam routes, and those crossers, okay? Because those safeties now, they play so deep for Penn State, they cannot come down in time. So if that's Michigan, you're looking at that, you really want to attack that second level uh, right behind those linebackers. All right. And to kind of round this, this section up here, um, what are some players to watch that we ha- maybe we haven't mentioned yet? Um, I know we mentioned a few here, but anybody that kind of sticks out to you as someone that could uh, potentially kind of wreak havoc on that uh, Michigan offense? Yeah, I look at the DB, Javier Brown, number nine. Okay, so, you know, number nine is Joey Porter Jr., and I want to get to him, but Javier Brown's playing like an All-American right now when you turn the video on, okay, in that secondary. And then I look at the corner position, Joey Porter Jr. So that's right, Steeler fans, that's right, NFL fans. That's Joey, that's Joey Porter's son over there, okay? Uh, he's not a pass rushing linebacker. He's a long corner with really good ball skills and a football player. So I really like watching Joey Porter Jr. Um, and Manny, De- Manny Diaz helps them because they don't play, you know, so many coverages, but they give so many different looks. So you'll see Joey Porter one play where he's pressed against a receiver. Well, the next down, he's about seven yards off, right? And they're kind of doing different things with them to press and drop and help them jump routes. So, you know, Javier Brown and Joey Porter, I give both of them to look at the secondary. They understand coverage and they understand where they need to be, uh, again, with the coaching from Manny Diaz. So those are the two guys I want to see uh, when you look at that secondary of Penn State. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I think, you know, look at this team. You mentioned uh, Vic Tig Brown before. I, I really like him. He's a good athlete there in the back, and I, I really um, – I think he can have an impact on this game as well. Um, all right, let's jump ahead here. Let's move on to the um, Michigan defense. Um, you know, they lost a lot last year. They, this was a very great, good defense last year. They lost um, some good, good talent to the NFL and always, you know – Certain teams are able to reload. Certain teams, it takes a year or two to get back to where they, you know, they were, depending on how much talent they lost. Uh, but this year, they they continue to oppress, get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I noticed this by watching the um, the game, the last couple games where they've been close going into that fourth quarter. That fourth quarter, they just kind of flip a switch, and that quarterback just has no shot. The entire fourth quarter from the opposing teams. Now it helps when you don't play a great team, but uh, you know. I did. I do like that they hear about that switch to turn it on. 
Um, they they rank fifth in the country with 11.3 points a game against, uh, and a top 25 in the country for rushing and passing defense and takeaways. So, um, you know, what what can you say? What are they doing? What are they, what are they doing maybe differently from last year? How are they utilizing the players that are being developed in in the various roles they are, and how um, how have they been impactful this year? Yeah, I mean, you, when you put it on video, it seems like they really haven't missed a beat as far as the scheme and the pressure. All right, when you see them, what they're doing, you're talking about you know just eleven and a half a game. So now they base out of a four-two-five, but they're rarely in it staying static the way they do. And we'll get into the movement of what makes it so tough is when they install their defense. And you know, August fourth is the first day of practice. It's going to be the four-two-five. But every day since, you can tell they're working on different things to make it look different. So they play with an even and odd front. Okay. So we say even front, that's four down linemen. Okay. And what they do really, really well. Okay. Is they slant right before the snap. Okay. So right before the quarterback snaps the ball. Okay. These defensive tackles are going to line up right over the guards and they're going to slant left or right. Okay. Into the a gap or B gap. And it really confuses offensive linemen. Uh, when you look at their odd front, okay, so odd front, which is meant three or five, okay, so three or five man front, um, this is where they get multiple and they start to attack uh, offensive lines is running that bare front with five down linemen and then one linebacker because they're rushing, I mean, they're rushing five, then they're all of a sudden they're rushing three and they're dropping two back. It's more kind of what you saw last year, even with the new defensive coordinator, it's more of an organizational philosophy and they're kind of yeah. keeping it going. So it's really good to see. Um, and then when you look at the secondary, they don't just play with five DBs and stay static. I mean, they're, they're using those slot blitzes from the field with it off that second receiver. They're rotating safeties. Two, they start with two high. They're bringing one down and then moving one over. So a lot of these things that make it really difficult, uh, you know, as far as their pressure packages and their movement. So really, really exciting to see for this Michigan defense why they're playing so well. All right. Um, you know, obviously in this matchup, and we'll talk a little bit later about the the Penn State offense and their running game. But this the running game of Penn State has been pretty effective this year. Um, you know, how do you foresee Michigan looking to slow this down? Obviously, they have a pretty strong um, defensive line, but you know, maybe what formations or what players or who who could impact that Penn State um, running game? What what, what do you kind of see them ha happening in this one? Yeah, this kind of stays with that theme where we said Michigan's D line slants really well, left and right. This is yeah. exactly how you want to beat a zone run scheme, which is Penn State. Okay, so Penn State runs tight zone. That's their number one run. Now, how you beat that and make it difficult for offensive line is you slant left and right right before the snap. So now they don't know who to combination block with to the left or to the right. So it's really difficult. So look for Michigan, okay, to get in what we call this 5-2-2-5. Now, all that means is it's four down linemen. You're going to have the five, which is a five technique outside the tackle. And then the two and the two just means that those defensive tackles are lining head up right over the guard. And then the five on the other side, he's going to line up right outside the tackle. So five, two, two, five. But those two inside interior tackles, they're going to move left or right, right on the snap. Look for them to do this and really slow down Penn State's offensive line from having a combination block and move. So I think this stunt that and this slant that you see by Michigan's D-line, it fits Michigan's strength. And it's actually a weakness for Penn State's offensive line and the scheme that they run. So look for this, listeners, on Saturday for Michigan to try to slow down this Penn State run game. All right. And obviously, we mentioned this a couple of times that Michigan lost a lot of uh, players to um, the draft. Um, what are some of the new players on the Michigan side that fans should know and really you know, be on, a, on the lookout for here uh, on Saturday that um, 
really could have a big impact on this game against uh, Penn State. You know what, Tony? I'm actually going to take a coach, okay? I'm going to take the defensive <laughs> coordinator, Jesse Minter, okay? He's only been on the job for about six, eight months, right? But it looks like they've never left. Last year, Mike McDonald was there. He's now the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator with, you know, with Jim Harbaugh's older brother. But Jesse Minter and this coaching staff has really impressed me because it seems like they haven't missed a beat. I want to see them keep growing because they're the strength of their football team. So what I'm looking at on Saturday is how does Jesse Minter and that defensive Michigan staff, how do they adjust to that Penn State run game we just talked about? to make sure they can get in third and long, and then they can put their pressure packages in. So I'm looking at the coaching and adjustments with a new staff on defense to keep playing at this elite level. No, good call out. I, I do I do like Jesse Mitchell. He was um, obviously being an ordained fan. He was with us for uh, a year there um, as a defensive intern with the Clark Lee Vanderbilt. So he, he studied with some of the uh, – you know, under Clark Lee, uh, who Iowa was very impressed with at his time at Notre Dame, so he d- definitely carries over some of those philosophies as well. So uh, he's been, re- I would say, in- impactful for this team for sure. Um, all right, let's finish this up here with um, the Penn State offense. Uh, you know, I think the biggest improvement I've seen uh, for Penn State this year is the development of a really productive rushing attack that, you know, takes some of the offensive burdens off of, um, I would say, a very sore <laughs> Sean Clifford, who's been knocked around. <laughs> It feels like for the last 100 years since he's been there. Um, you know, I, I would say a lot of that's on freshman running backs, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. Both have been good, combined 766 yards, eight touchdowns. You know, what, what have you seen change in their offense? Is it just having the talent that's come in, or have they changed their system at all to really um, better support and give help to Sean Clifford? Yeah, it's a combination because it's this is good coaching, right? Their scheme fits their personnel. And you'll see a lot of times when you're watching football, like you've got all these athletes and you're like, man, but it just doesn't seem in sync. They're not really working together, right? Or like then you on the opposite, you see a team and maybe doesn't have all this talent, but they just keep moving the ball, right? And they make good plays and they score points. Like, okay, what this is, it's a combination. They've got some better players. They've got young, really good one-two punch at running back, but their scheme fits the personnel, okay, what they have. So, and what they use, you know, on offense is the check with me system. You know, we talked about Clemson a couple weeks ago with, you know, DJ and Dabo, how they kind of check plays. Very similar, okay, but they can do this with Clifford because he's an experienced quarterback, okay? So when you do this, it makes it, he's getting you in the best play you can. Um, but when you look at them, their multiplicity on offense, so formations and their alignment, I mean, they're under center and they're in the shotgun. They're going to be offset and they're in the pistol. Uh, so to run this tight zone. So it's a lot of different ways that Michigan's going to have to line up and make sure they understand every alignment. There's details that they have to be ready for. Um, so they're not up tempo, this Penn State offense. Um, they use a lot of movement, okay, with the receiver motion. So they run that fly motion where that slot receiver is going to fly right across the formation in front of the quarterback to the other side. And then that orbit motion, which we talked about a couple of weeks back with North Carolina State, where that slot receiver now is going to go behind the quarterback and end up on the other side. This is just an easy way for offenses to get into two by two or three by one sets. Okay. They can do either one without being so static. Okay. And staying put, you'd actually like Michigan to do a little bit more of that to kind of get themselves in rhythm when they're on offense. So uh, it's easier for them on offense to get an advantage. And it's also tough for the defense because you got to communicate pretty quick. But when I look at this scheme, Tony, it's the tight zone and they run a circle plays around it. So when you look at tight zone, remember, listeners, the offensive line is blocking an area all in one direction, and that running back is going to read the first down lineman. So it's probably going to be a defensive tackle. 
whatever he does, we're doing the opposite. If he goes out, you're going to see the running back cut back. If that defensive tackle comes in, now you're going to see the running back bounce it. Okay, so that's kind of scheme fit, but they do a lot off of it. This is why I like this Penn State offense, the circle plays that they do in it. Okay, they run their tight zone. Watch the tight end off the ball. Okay, he's going to come across in what we call split zone. Okay, so offensive line moves one way. Now the tight end off the ball is going to come back across the formation. And then he's going to fake that block and release off to the flat. So it's kind of a circle of plays off of one run play that they do really well. Clifford's very comfortable with it. And then their coaching staff calls it at the right time. Okay. They set up, they set up these plays when they need to set up based on what they're seeing. So that's a little bit more about the Penn state offense and the other difference in what they're doing. So uh, certainly it's a, it's a scheme that fits their personnel, Tony. All right. Um, you know, I, I think you missed offensive line a, a little bit there. You know, obviously, I think they've proved a lot. To me, they've proved the offensive line quite a bit since last year. That could be a level of competition. Um, but I've, I've seen the scene some adjustments. It seems like Sean Clifford has more time to throw and read read what the defense is doing. Uh, I think this year they've only allowed seven sacks in five games, which is a massive improvement. Uh, they did have one redshirt freshman, um, Lane Trigg. Tengwell, who's been inserted to left guard. I mean, does that make it the biggest change? Or have they done anything from a system adjustment point of view that, that give him more time and, and do a better job of, of you know, just, you know, protecting their quarterback? Yeah, they protect the quarterback to finish your last line with their run game. Okay, so that's why they have time. They're able to run tight zone so well. So now you can run the play action. And then you can throw. Now Clifford has more time. There's bigger windows, right? It all starts with that. That's how they kind of protect that and give them time. Um, what I like at Penn State's offensive line is when you see offensive lines, um, some of them will run their run play when it's called. And when it's play action, you can kind of tell, right? They play higher. or They don't come off the ball as hard or as fast. And it's kind of obvious. Penn State's offensive line, when they run the ball, it looks like run. And when they run play action, it looks like run because of how well they sell it up front. So that's something that's going to help out because linebackers are going to come downhill. Safeties are going to come downhill. It really just helps out everything. Um, but I think when they drop back, Tony, this, this is what I look at is helps them out is they're all in a two point stance. And this is something I see on video. OK, so when you remember, listeners, we talked a couple weeks ago about a two, three and four point stance. Offensive linemen are either in a two or three point stance. Three-point stance is one hand down on the ground, and a two-point stance is there's no hands in the ground. You're kind of almost in a squat position, okay? They're all in a two-point stance. Now, this is why it helps them out in pass protection. When you're talking about giving them time and how well they've been protecting is when you're in a two-point stance, kind of in that squat position, okay, you don't have to come from the ground up, okay, which is a whole kind of a wasted movement if you're going to drop back. So you can kind of get to your drop back and protect a lot quicker when you're just in that upright position. And then it's easier to see, right? If you're in three point and your hands on the ground, it's really tough to maybe see a linebacker coming up and blitzing or somebody off the edge. But when you're in this two point stance in this upright position, you can see the whole field just like a quarterback can. You can see a guy coming off the edge. Now you can communicate and tell the offensive lineman next to you, hey, watch this guy. I'm going to take this guy. So I think their stances, their two point stance are helping them protect as well. And then, like you said, you know, the left guard position, and I really like their left tackle 74. So just overall, this two point stance is helping them. And then that run first play action mentality overall, it's just, it's a good unit that's helping them out. All right. Um, let's move over to the quarterback. We, we touched on Sean Clifford a little bit here. 
Um, you know, he rakes knife in the conference in passing at 206 yards a game. He completes 62% of his passes. To me, when I look at Sean Clifford, I see game manager. I, I'd, I'd see he, he does enough to not cost the team the game, but I don't think he does enough to win a game. But what, what do you see as a coach looking at him? Um, is, he, is he enough for you to win a game like this, or is he just enough to make sure you don't lose a game like this? What, what, what is your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, you always hear, you know, game manager a lot. And I just, you know, I look at it as it doesn't really give full credit of like what quarterbacks can do, right? He's a smart quarterback. He does manage their offense and it's because he knows the system so well, right? So that's the way I look at it. I think when, you know, fans, they judge a quarterback a lot, Tony, they, they see yeah. they by, by like, hey, their speed, their mobility, their big arm. And those are all great traits, right? But like a lot of casual fans, if, if, if the quarterback doesn't have that, it's like it's a bad quarterback, right? They just have limitations, but what Sean Clifford does, he makes it up for in areas that other quarterbacks with more talent don't, okay? So coaching-wise, you judge that by, like, understanding – do they understand the system? Do they understand how to read defenses? And how tough are they? Like, when they're down, you know, and they're on the road and it's 14-10 and they've got to drive the ball down the field, are they willing to stay, stand in the pocket and take hits and be there? And that's what Clifford does. So I look at the positives and what, you know, he does well, you're asking, is – He's so comfortable in the system, and, and you do that with experience. And But he understands the play clock with the amount of movement. Now, the reason I bring this up is you see a lot of young quarterbacks, when offenses move and motion and do a lot of this, you see that play clock running down on TV. And as a fan, you're like, come on, hurry up, get the ball off. Like it's, Sometimes those are pretty close. When you see a guy like Clifford, I mean, he's in full command. Like He understands where they are on the field, what the play clock is, what the motion is, he's lining up everybody, offensive line, running backs, receivers, like he's got full control over this. And as a player on that, like you trust him. That's the guy that you want to play for. So those are things that I see, you know, kind of looking on video is he just has a really good feel. And then, you know, you were talking about the pass protection earlier. What I see him growing with his game is he, since he understands the protection, he's now stepping up to throw. Right. So you see him. He's not out there scrambling left and right. He understands what side of the protection is, is strong and weak. And now he can step up with his eyes downfield to make some throws. And because of that, like you said, he is taking hits and he's getting beat up. But he's really just trying to sit in there as long as he can to make throws. So he has a really good understanding of that. Um, but you don't want to get in third and longs with him all the time, right? Because of those things. So you just want to stay on script if you're Penn State and, and order him to get and get you lined up and do those things well. Uh, he certainly has a lot of good traits uh, that you kind of see coaching wise when you put on the video. All right. Let's wrap this one up with um, other offensive players to watch for Penn State. For me, um, I, I'm a tight end guy because obviously being a Notre Dame fan, I, I love the tight ends. Um, Brennan, um, Britton Strange, you know, somebody that sticks out to me so far this year, 15 catches, 231 yards and four touchdowns seems to be a good outlet, uh, you know, for Sean Clifford when he needs to get out of trouble, um, you know, get himself open, can really take advantage of mismatches, um, against the defense. And I think, you know, this will be a tough matchup for, for, uh, Michigan and their defense. So I think he could possibly be a good red zone friend and, and make some plays out there. Who are you seeing on your side, Jeff? Who, who's somebody that sticks out to you that you, you like the, you know, the may make impact that uh, maybe stick out to somebody may not know. 
Yeah, I mean, I look at this offensive line. I do like Rasheed Walker, number 53, okay, just together as a unit, what they do. I mean, he was a captain in high school. He's a leader. So we talked about that on the other side with Michigan's offensive line at the center position. I think when you see Rasheed Walker and you, you see kind of an offensive line, uh, you see guys that can help out and make these calls and do it. Because at the end of the day, this, this Penn State offense is a run-first offense in tight zone. In order to do that, you have to have one guy all right, at minimum, okay, who understands the full scheme, who can make calls left and right about how they're going to combination block, when they're going to climb to the second level. That is so important in these run-dominant offenses, opposed to a pass-maybe heavy offense where you don't really need that as much. So that's a guy to watch for me on the offensive line. All right. Um, yeah, so I guess it comes down to predictions, you know, uh, or just any other avenues where you could see this – um, you know, game breaking out. You know, one thing I I mentioned AJ Henning before in the special teams, but I do think Michigan has a really good special teams. They they return the ball well. They they play good. You know, obviously defense on special teams. Um, I think that could be an area of of you know of where they could take advantage of some maybe some miscues by by Penn State and kind of open this game up a little bit for them um, and, and get their offense in good position. So I can see that being a possibility. When I look at these two teams, I see. Michigan being the te- more talented version of what Penn State is currently doing. So for that, I think mm-hmm. Michigan's going to win. But I think it's going to be a tight game. And I think being in Michigan helps. If this is in Penn State, I may give it a, a slight edge to Penn State. Um, just because I do I do love their running backs. Nick Singleton, best running back in the country as high school last year. I love loved him mm-hmm. last year coming out of high school. Um, I, I do think he can, you know, potentially wear down this, this Michigan defense, this younger defense a little bit. Um, but I do think Michigan should, will pull away at the end, maybe by seven points is kind of what I'm seeing this. But Jeff, what are your thoughts? What maybe anything else we may have missed um, or, or any of our thoughts on this final outcome? Yeah, on both sides. I mean, you hit on Henning earlier. I mean, you saw him last week. He had that, you know, that big pump return to midfield that kind of set up that second half touchdown. Like you want to see these things with him and the ball, but just on special teams wise, you know, Moody made a field goal. He kicked and he missed one last week for Michigan. Penn State is kind of, had, you know, they had a fumble, you know, of return picked up against Central Michigan. So they're both kind of up and down with their special teams. You'd like to see them be a little bit more sound, um, you know, as far as glaring holes. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at these two teams, um, Penn State's taken a big leap ahead of where they were last year. And Michigan, to me, it's surprising how they're able to kind of stay the course where everyone thought they were going to really let down. So this is where I see these teams. If Michigan wins this football game, it's going to be because they're open formations on offense. Okay, we talked about staying open and playing with J.J. and Blake Corm in the backfield and letting these guys become two ball carriers in a sense on offense in their run game. If they go to close formations and they just started going ahead and not reading runs and designing stuff, like we fall right into Penn State's hand because to mention your point earlier, they haven't been tested as well as these other teams and the schedule, like Penn State will expose them there. But for Michigan to win, they've got to win first down on defense, okay? You win first down, okay? Now, all of a sudden, Penn State is in second and eight. You want to get them to third and long where we talked about Clifford hopping to drop back to pass, all right, without any play action, without any help. And you want to tee off and use your pressure packages. So Michigan's going to win if they use open formations on offense with JJ and Blake, and then win on first down on defense. And to the flip side, Tony, you know, if Penn State wins, it's because they're staying ahead of the chain with their zone runs that they do so well with that inside zone and their one-two punch at running back. If they can stay ahead of this chains, now it's play action pass 
Now pressure's off Clifford. Now you can get the ball in these guys' hands, okay? And then on the flip side for their defense, if Penn State wins, it's because their linebackers, which we talked about being the weakness of their defense, if they can pressure and disrupt the Michigan run game, okay, since they're playing close to the line of scrimmage, if they can get up there and disrupt that zone scheme, and then one of those linebackers is going to have to spy J.J., you look at it, Penn State has two weeks to prepare, okay? Two weeks to get healthier, another week of video on, on Michigan. So these are things to look at and, you know, if they're going to win the game. All right. No, good breakdown as always, Jeff. We appreciate it, sir. Um, and always, guys, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, uh, in the flat pod, um, for all of our latest content. This week, um, you should have seen we had an instant reaction podcast yesterday that we released. We'll have um, another review uh, podcast coming your way where we break down all the different games, give our predictions um, in our main one. Um, as always, you know, check out our our website in the flatpodcast.com. We'll continue to push out content to you guys. As always, if there's anything you love to see, any upcoming games you want to see us break down, feel free to shoot us a, um, a tweet, send us a direct message, and we'll definitely consider it for a future podcast. As always, guys, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.